Hey, have you heard about Anchor? You probably haven't heard about Anchor yet, so let me tell you about it. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. You probably hear other people talk about how they make podcasts. If they say it's easy, they're crazy. All of their methods are really hard and complicated, but Anchor, super simple. First off, it's free. They have creation tools that let you make the podcast right from your phone. You don't even need a computer. This is 2019. Who uses computers anymore? Anchor distributes your podcast on all the other platforms. No need to go do all that complicated searching and hosting and posting. Hosting and posting. They do it for you. You can also make money from your podcast. Well, I mean, that's what I'm doing right now because you're listening to this ad. They've got everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. No need to search around all over the place. No need to go to 20 different sites. Just one. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Bet you thought I was going to sing right here, didn't you? Are you looking for the hottest news out of the obstacle racing scene? Want to stay up to date on the freshest info, the latest podiums, and hear interviews with the who's who in OCR? Well, you've come to the wrong place. Well, some of that you'll find here. But we're not the media. This is not ORM, OCM, OCRM, ORCM. This is OCR Talk. Hello, this is Jason Dupree. And I'm Anna Landry. Thanks for listening in. This is OCR Talk, the number one rated podcast in OCR. That's what you're supposed to do when you do an OCR podcast, right? Yeah. That's what I hear everybody else doing. Everybody's doing it. We are the number one podcast in South Louisiana. The number this one is... podcast <laughs> that comes out of both Texas and Louisiana. Yes. And this is episode number 948 and a half. Truth be told, this is episode 10, which I wanted to uh, try and have somebody else on, like as a, a guest conversationalist. Not an interview, and I actually asked somebody at Conquer to Gauntlet in passing. They they weren't, they, I think they were a little shy, but <laughs> we did this earlier in the week than I, I guess I expected us to, so... Just gonna kind of leave that idea for later on. So I don't know. Maybe we'll wait for twenty or or twenty five or something. Stay tuned. <laughs> what do you think? You know, if you're listening and you think that's a cool idea, let us know. If you think that's dumb, then keep it to yourself. Just kidding. Be like a celebrity guest speaker or something. Yeah, I I, I don't know who would make for good. I don't know, we'll figure it out. I I think it'd be fun. <laughs> You know, it'd be it changes it up a little bit just for right. every once in a while. Yeah, well, not an inter- not an interview. So if anybody wants to come on the show, it won't be an interview. We won't be asking you specific questions about what do you sacrifice the most and how did you get into OCR and how do you train and what shoes do you wear? <laughs> what shoes? <laughs> well, let's let's get let's get moving. Anything before we get into the content? Oh, well, okay, so I did get a message from Alexandra Walker last week. Oh, follow-up. Yeah, after, yeah, running Austin. And she just had some tips and stuff to give me um, because she said she had struggled with the same kind of issues as far as, like, not being really hungry on race day and not really knowing what to eat. So she said that RX bars... And like protein bars work for work pretty well for her as a like for breakfast, right? As like a race day meal, like forcing yourself to eat on race day, <laughs> and just like how big of a game changer it is. Like you don't, you don't, you might not feel like eating, you know, the morning of a race because like you're too amped and you're too excited just to get out there. But yeah, you never want to overlook something like that because it it's definitely. Definitely important, made a huge difference on race days for her. So RX bars or a banana or a protein bar, things like that. And that's what, that's what she suggested. So, and thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah. Th- next time, uh, thanks Alex. Uh, next time you do that, you know, you give it a try, let us know how it goes. For sure. And how has your Endure Elite been working for you now that we've, 
now that we're a little little ways out. So I, this is an interesting thing that I actually been talking or uh, thinking about just today. I think for me the the biggest the biggest thing that I got out of it when I first started using it was the energy throughout the day. So not only is it good for a long race, but even when I'm done racing and I go home and just the evening or working out, it it really gives me a lot more energy than I usually have. But what I feel like I've noticed is I started trying to take it every day. So Matt, actually, I asked him, should I take it even when I'm not working out? And he said, yeah, because of because of certain ingredients like beta alanine and beetroot work better when taken consistently. Hmm. Beta alanine has zero acute effects. If you only take it once, it does nothing. So for me, you know, I noticed a certain type of results mm -hmm. that really worked for me. But I, I think it was all the, the caffeine that's in there, the, the type of caffeine, obviously, more than just, just caffeine in general, because it definitely did something different for me than uh, drinking tea or coffee does. And But after taking it consistently, I felt like I would still get those kind of sleepies in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. you're, you're getting a little used to it, I think. Yeah. Now, the past couple of races, I noticed I've started getting feeling a little rough after the race, kind of like my blood stuff happening again mm -hmm. i i was i was like okay i'm gonna rest you know for like a week just to kind of go to the doctor see how things are going and in that time frame i didn't so last week i didn't i didn't take it at all except for maybe monday or something mm -hmm. and i went to conquer the gauntlet this weekend and had some before the race and then had tons of energy the rest of the day like bouncing around, not <laughs> bouncing off the walls, but like being real, just kind of bouncy and like playing with my kids and just, you know, doing all that, that fun stuff and being really energetic. So I might try to just keep using it for that because I don't know. I don't know what the, uh, I, I can't really say what the long lasting effects are versus uh, those initial effects that yeah. uh, really, really did something for me. Yeah, I think with anything that you take pretty consistently over time, I think your body is just going to naturally grow some level of tolerance to it. So with the even before I started taking the Performally, I used Optimum Nutrition's Amino Energy that has the BCAAs in it, and I would only really use that like before my runs or before like really heavy workout days or things like that. And that's kind of what I'd use the perform elite for too like on weekends whenever i have a chance to get in some really long training days i'll use the perform elite but just during the week you know on my yancey camp workouts or things like that i won't take it before those okay now he did uh go on to say you could get a uh, a secondary you know a individual supplement for beta alanine and beetroot extract so i might look into that to see if there's something else uh, that I could take that would give those effects. You know, I'll, I'd like to do a little bit more research into what they do and see if it's something I feel like I need uh, or could use. So I'll look into that. But as of right now, I, I did go to the doctor today and got my blood tested again. And they did say that my hemoglobin is, you know, still going up. So even though That's I good. felt a little rough after races and actually even felt little down on energy at uh, Conquer the Gauntlet this weekend. My my hemoglobin's where it should be. Mm -hmm. So it could possibly be that my iron's going back down. I'll find out in a couple of days when they return those results. So So you got your iron tested too. Yeah. So when they test the blood, you know, they get the hemoglobin right away. Right. It takes a couple of days to test the iron. Mm -hmm. So I'll find out if that's going down again and if that's the reason for my um you know, energy levels being rougher, then, then I can do something about that. Yeah. So that's good. I remember I, one of my primary doctors that I used to see, I, I remember him telling me that he saw that a lot in a, in a lot of his patients that like regularly worked out and were pretty intense with their workout, that they had, you know, low iron, they had to take iron supplements. And he recommended them taking iron supplements, um, I guess just because of the level intensity of stress that we put our bodies through. And then I'm sure with your blood issues, you know, I think maybe you've been feeling better. So you've been pushing yourself a little harder and maybe you're, maybe it's just all catching up. I don't know. 
I, I did do a little testing of like not taking the iron for, you know, a few days at a time to see if it was uh, how my gastrointestinal stuff dealt yeah. with it. But uh, I do think I need to get back to a normal, normal schedule with that because apparently my body <laughs> needs it. <laughs> that and it's been stupid hot. Can we talk about the heat for a second? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the heat on Saturday was intense. Yeah. I could only imagine how hot that was at Conquer the Gauntlet. Yeah, well, I'll talk about it <laughs> when we get there. <laughs> to that point, for sure. Uh, so la- this is episode 10. We had episode 8, which was Toughest, Toughest mm-hmm. South, that we talked about. And that episode passed up the first episode for number most number of downloads or listens or whatever. Which I thought was pretty cool because that was the longest episode we had. That was like an hour and 45 minutes. That was such a long episode. <laughs> I don't know if it was the, the, the race or the content or what it was. I'd be, I would sure would love to know what people thought or what the reasoning is. Maybe some of the other stuff hasn't been as exciting and we're getting better. I don't know. That was the first toughest of the year, though, and it was, a pretty, it was pretty exciting. <laughs> So you you had a personal question for this episode. What is one thing that people might not know yeah. about you? For myself, I think it would probably be possibly my athletic background because it's a little different than what most people in OCR, especially you hear. I mean, a lot of people come from, get into OCR and they have either no background or they you know lost a lot of weight or something like that. But from the pro side, you see a lot of, they were collegiate runners and track people and cross-country skiers, you know, all kinds of different things that involve actual running. Myself, I, starting around age 13 or so, skateboarded, and I did that pretty much all the time. And when I got into junior high and high school, I wanted to play football too, so I was like the only guy out there running around in practice in airwalks, which is <laughs> kind of dumb when I look back oh, at airwalks. it, but uh, that's the only <laughs> shoes I, I had and chose to use, but I mean, shoot, I'm pretty sure I ran a 730-minute mile in airwalks with those shoes on, which is... <laughs> <That's> pretty <laughs> impressive. <laughs> but yeah, that was my background, and I, I did, so I played like two seasons, no, I played one season of football, was going to play in high school, and broke my arm skateboarding, and then decided to just keep skateboarding instead. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. Oh my goodness. Because my <laughs> mine is kind of similar, I guess. I mean, I was I was like in track and everything whenever I was in junior high and mm, not so much high school. High school, I was like the band geek. <laughs> I was in marching mm. band. <laughs> what What did you play? I I played the flute. <laughs> the flute. <laughs> yeah. I was in band all through, like, middle school and uh, fifth, sixth, you know, earlier yeah. in middle school. And I played the trumpet. Nice. I played the trumpet and the tuba. And when I went to high school, they the only offering that they had was marching. Like, you had to be in marching band to be in band. Right. And I was like, well, I don't want to march. I just want to <laughs> play, play music. And so I dropped out of that and kept skateboarding <laughs> well the the thing that that they got me on was oh well if you join marching band then you don't have to take a pe class <laughs> so <laughs> i was like cool sign me up because i was i was really about to like just quit band altogether and be like no nah, i don't want to do that and I, I could no <laughs> that's not my thing and it's and then they're like yeah you don't have to sign up for pe if you take marching band i'm like oh okay (laughs) but what's so uh, yeah that was like the extent of my athletics in high school (laughs) other than whenever it was my junior year in high school my mom got me into ballroom dancing (laughs) nice and me being the person that i am of course i had to do competitive ballroom dancing (laughs) (laughs) so i yeah i got into did you do competitive flute playing as well no i did (laughs) (laughs) i wasn't as competitive with that (laughs) that was just my way out of pe class (laughs) (laughs) yeah so competitive ballroom dancing yeah competitive ballroom dancing i was i did it for oh probably four or five years at the time, it was kind of just before all the craziness with like dancing with the stars came up and started up and everything. Mm. So like there wasn't really a lot of people my age 
doing it. So whenever I would go to competitions, I would be the only person in my age group. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I would. I had done a few exhibitions and、um, went to several competitions and everything. And like I was. I was in really good shape whenever I was dancing, just because whenever we were we were ballroom dancing, I would we would rehearse like maybe three or four hours, four or five days a week, and like doing stunts and everything like that made it a lot more physical and everything. So you went to the competitions and you were the one of the youngest ones. Did you have a partner that you typically competed with? Yeah, it was my dance instructor, so they judge me on like my form and you know everything like that, and my performance and all. Yeah, so the instructor was probably good enough that they didn't have to worry about him messing you up, right?、So、they <laughs> judge you solely based off of your skill, right? Exactly. There was towards the end, whenever before I I quit or I just stopped competing, really, we had kind of tossed around the idea of me partnering up with. There was. Two that we were thinking about pairing up with, but it just it just never panned out. It just never happened. It wasn't in the stars.、Mm. It wasn't in Dancing with the Stars. No. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I could have been on Dancing with the Stars by now. <laughs> <laughs> could do an OCR version of Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> right. Hunter would be all over that. Oh、uh, yeah!、Sure. Oh yeah! He would be all over it with the best costume. <laughs> He'd be best dressed. Speaking of people that would probably be into that. I would say, based off of the latest ORM podcast, Matt、oh. B. Davis and Ryan Atkins and Ryan Woods <laughs> were all chatting and being completely silly and ridiculous, and it was fun. When they were talking, they were having this kind of competition: who would be the best OCR couple? And Matt was trying to say that him and his wife could possibly beat Ryan Woods and his wife at like a long distance race or something、oh, like、yeah. that. Uh huh. In that episode. Did you notice a little editing going on? I, I think I did a little bit. I think he actually edited the mess out of that episode because there were no pauses. Like for those that for those that listen to our podcast and they're listening right now, you'll notice that there are no pauses that are any longer than say half a second or something like that. And it's just because it's edited. It's edited pretty heavily, and I think he did that. Like even though it was them three on Skype. Or Zoom is probably what they were using, but you could tell there were parts that either got left out or. But overall, it was just a it flowed like there were no long pauses like normal. There was a point at, during the episode when I think one of them got lost or lost their connection or something like that, and there was just yeah, Ryan this, did yeah, Atkins long did. string of them trying to figure it out. I guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they were still talking throughout it, and that's what it is. I don't know though because they all seem like pretty chatty people. Well, maybe not Ryan Atkins so much, but like definitely Ryan Woods. <laughs> yeah, and I thought about that. I thought well, maybe they're just being extra chatty today, and they were talking about like drinking that、uh, Celsius. Oh yeah, he、heat. was Matt. Matt Davis was all jacked up on that Celsius heat. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. So <laughs> it could have been that, but honestly, I, I think he edited it. And、uh, did the took out the silence in between everything because it makes it sound good and it flows really well, but it's just not his normal style. But I I, I really think he did. I think it was a Celsius heat. <laughs> <laughs> I saw an interesting idea on I don't know somewhere on Facebook, and they said、uh, what it would be cool to have a jersey with a permanent number for a race. That's right. It was on the Savage Syndicate page, and they were saying. You know, for people that race savage, savage race a lot. If you had a jersey and it had your bib number, that way you don't have to wear a bib. You know, the little piece of paper that you get at a typical race that falls off in the water somewhere. Yeah, it gets tore up and whatever. And photos aren't. I mean, you get all those all covered in mud, and they're not picking that up anyways. Yeah, I haven't gotten used to just searching through all the <laughs> pictures to find my own. So, but I, I think. I thought I thought that idea was cool because, not necessarily like a jersey, like the, depending on the jersey, because some people don't run with shirts on, so it'd be hard to get a lot of people to wear those. But whatever it is, whether it's some kind of a jersey like they do in Toughest or something they do in Tough Mudder for Tougher and World's Toughest and and Toughest, <laughs> <laughs> the first Toughest was the one across the <laughs> in、yeah. Europe that I was talking about, 
But if you had some way to assign a a permanent number to a person so that they would always use that same bib number at each race, I think that would be cool. I think it would make a cool, this is my number and I can choose how to show it, I guess. I don't know yeah. what all that would entail, but I like the idea. Yeah, it's it, it would almost be like one of those premium things you pay for. Like, yeah. this is my bib number whenever I race this race, and it's attached to me whenever I race. And so whenever I want to go back and search my results or look at my pictures or, you know, something like that, then it would be mm-hmm. so much easier to find. That's a good idea. Yeah, hmm. who who do we need to spread that to? to help? <laughs> who do we need to bring this idea to? So, <laughs> yeah, we can make this happen. <laughs> Hunter. Hunter can make anything happen. <laughs> He doesn't listen to this. No, he doesn't. Speaking of people that, you know, can make decisions, Joe DeSena was on World's Toughest Podcast. That was pretty neat. Yes, that was, yes. That made it to the very top of my my playlist whenever (laughs) I saw that. (laughs) World's Toughest Podcast, the Spartan episode. Yeah, the one and only Spartan episode. Well, I don't know. He might might do other... Spartan athlete. I mean, I'm sure he's going to do other Spartan athletes because, I mean, he's been talking about it for so long about why doesn't somebody just do this except with Spartan, you know, and he's been talking about it for so long. He's like, well, why don't I just do it? (laughs) Yeah. And of course, he talks to certain athletes that run Spartan, but it's always about them being in Tough Mudder races. Right. And as he said, you know, Matt B. Davis told him or introduced him to Joe DeSena and that's how they got hooked up and it's like you know if you have the chance to interview Joe DeSena do you pass it up like you know makes sense why he did it although at the point when Joe DeSena was like if you're going to interview me you're going to be doing burpees I'm sure (laughs) there was a split second whenever he regretted that decision (laughs) (laughs) well that was pretty funny he stopped and he stopped doing the burpees after the first yeah and then he just started doing bicep curls curls. yeah (laughs) (laughs) I mean and, like, he was doing burpees, like, what, while Joe DeSena was answering his questions, so... Oh, and, of course, his answers yeah. are, you know, longer Long, than... drawn-out explanations, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, Spartan World Championship's gonna be in Tahoe again for, what is this, the fifth, fourth row, fourth year? Fifth yeah. Year? And I remember whenever they were, they were getting ready to announce where the world championships were going to be. <laughs> and whenever they were like, it's going to be in Tahoe, everybody's like, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that fell flat. But I mean, it's, it's pretty part of the country right there. And it's definitely challenging terrain. And they're doing the world team championships out there again, too. Yeah. And that seemed to be pretty successful last year. Yeah. And it's like a super distance. So it's not a crazy long race. The team one? Yeah. And I got to catch glimpses of that last year whenever we went whew, face dunning and her team went zooming past me as I was like watching people <laughs> on the spear throw and they all of a sudden they were just running right past me and oh my gosh. Yeah. I had to move off the course. <laughs> I didn't realize how close to the course I was. Because <laughs> how they did it in Tahoe, they did the beast waves the people that were running the beast length race and then the team championships uh wave took off and kind of like how the sprint follows a little bit of the super distance it was kind of the same concept the super distance kind of covered parts of the beast course with just you know several miles cut out and several obstacles cut out so i'd be curious to see you know who the who the team's who the teams were and it was just really cool to see you know a lot of people from like all over the world coming and competing and racing as a team and everything like that because i think there was like saudi arabia and jordan and iceland and of course canada but yeah it was really cool to see people from those countries just represent where they're from yeah and as much as i think spartan kind of gets a bad rap for doing it at the same place the championship as a beast a long an extra long beast up a big giant mountain you know <laughs> like all the most ridiculous parts of OCR but they do still seem to find ways to make that event be a spectacle and something enjoyable to to pay attention to and watch and and to, to run I guess too the only complaints I heard is just you know you run up the mountain come back down do some obstacles run up the mountain come back down yeah. and do obstacles 
they had a pretty good chorus last year. I liked it. And I guess for me, it was because I, it was like my first time going to that race. So, you know, running into Olympic Village, that was like, that was an experience in itself because it's just packed yeah. with spectators and you're just running through Olympic Village and that's where you finish and you had to do the rig before you finished and everything. Right. It, it is a cool event for sure. I'm not sure how they pick the teams though. That's one of, kind of what I was curious about. Like, who do they do they pick the team members or do they each have their own like team championships in their own regions you know like because you haven't really seen any team championships like in the north american region or something like that you know yeah and i feel like i've heard somebody talk about how they do that but i don't know that'd be a good thing to look into uh matt do a podcast on uh talk to joe and more <laughs> Get us some inside information. <laughs> Do you watch the CrossFit Games? I didn't. I, I mean, I saw the some of the videos on my newsfeed, but I didn't really get into it too, too much. I've never been an avid watcher of it either. You know, I know I tend to find out whenever it's going on. And I noticed last year, obviously, when they had the obstacle course in it. And like the year before, I noticed some of the running they did. But I, I don't watch it myself. But somebody, <laughs> a friend of mine, like tagged me in a post to to or invited me to watch the the live feed of it, and the funny thing is, is right when I got on there to watch it was when they were on the treadmills, <laughs> and so I was just looking at this big giant line of treadmills, and it's like, what in the world has CrossFit <laughs> turned into? It's like uh, CrossFit Games slash Orange Theory Games or something. I don't know. <laughs> Orange Theory. <laughs> <laughs> well and then whenever i i had saw that you posted that and then i clicked on the video to watch it a little bit and since i knew what to expect i didn't watch it for very long because <laughs> i wasn't gonna be like i wasn't gonna watch in anticipation or anything but yeah it would have been a little bit more exciting than just to watch people like i could go to my local gym and watch people <laughs> run on the treadmill <laughs> like run on the treadmill run you know, 20 meters in front of you and there's like a big heavy ball that you have to carry and slam down or something and then run another little, you know, like, I don't know. Well, they said that those treadmills are the ones where you have to power it yourself. You know, it's not just an automatic oh, like you're right. used to in the gym. Yeah. So there is a little bit more to it, but it still looks like people just running on treadmill, which wasn't exciting. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't excited about it. Not really. <laughs> but that's, I mean, I don't get excited about CrossFit games as much anyways, but I'm more excited when I see people doing handstand push-ups and like, I guess, handstand walking and stuff like that. Yeah, because I can't do maybe that. if they did the treadmills on their hands. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really cool. <laughs> yeah, I like to watch, like whenever they come out with the Fittest on Earth documentaries, like I like watching that kind of stuff because then you get to see like behind the scenes and get interviews with athletes and things like that. And then they do show parts of the competition and everything. You know, uh, Will Hicks, he loves to say he likes to watch anybody, no matter what it is, as long as they're like the best at what they do. Right. You know, watching, he, he, he went on and on about curling whenever the Olympics, uh, the Winter Olympics were going because those people are amazing at it. But I would love to hear his thoughts on watching the best people in the world at treadmill running. The fittest people on earth. <laughs> well, yeah, like... <laughs> running on a treadmill. Whoever, who's, who's the... Are there treadmill competitions that are just... Like, that's all they focus on is just treadmills? Would he enjoy watching that? <laughs> Wasn't there a guy that did, like, 24 hours or something on a treadmill? Something crazy like that? Evan, Evan Preparis did 48 hours. Of, no, he did 100 did, miles. I don't remember how long it took him. Yeah, I, f I have a, I feel like there was like a handful of guys there that did like ultra distances on treadmills, which I can't even get into double digits on a treadmill. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, even Evan talked about how, how just, just ridiculous and probably terrible it was but. it was it's horrible although i did find a cure for it this week i mean it, it might just be this week but i got on my treadmill and i turned on netflix and i watched like ultra running documentaries on my amazon prime mm. and it, okay. it was kind of cool i mean because i think there was a documentary that i watched one of them was this race in 
I think it's somewhere in India or the Himalayas or something like that. It's like 137 miles, but the elevation gain is just insane. It's like 14,000 something. I don't know, but it's, it's crazy. Like only six people signed up for the race. <laughs> just one of those things, bragging rights, you know, and like it's yeah. the elevation is so serious. Like they have, they have medical staff on hand to kind of monitor the runner the runners and make sure they're not getting too like physically taxed but yeah that was really cool to watch during the run and then I still had a little bit to go so um, I watched another one it was another ultra running documentary for the Uray 100 out in North Carolina so yeah it's just really cool to watch ultra runners do their thing or like I like watching the Barkley marathons. That one was a really good, good one too. Cool. Yeah, I haven't. I, I've, anytime I watch a show on a treadmill, I feel like I'm just counting down how long it's till the show is over. Yeah. So I'll have to give that a try next time I get on a treadmill. Yeah. Cause definitely, because I know watching those kind of documentaries makes me want to go run. Right. So. And if you're already on the treadmill, then <laughs> you already got it covered. But yeah, because I've tried, I've tried to watching different different kinds of shows like comedy shows or something to take my mind off, and it doesn't really work. But yeah. Yeah. So far, that's working for me. Can't take your mind off of that baloney. Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, try that out and let me know how it works for you. So this past weekend was Conquer the Gauntlet Dallas. Yes. And the weekend before, I went down to Belton, Texas, just uh, about another 30 minutes or so past Waco. And they had a a race called the Spartacus Dash. And it's a race I've done two years before. And it's just like a little small local charity one. And they really stepped it up uh, even more this year, made their medals like they were kind of rinky-dink medals in the past, and they were pretty legit this year. And their their obstacles, they added a couple more, and it was a good race overall. Coolest thing about it, I got first in my age group, which was 35 to 39, so that was fun. And my daughter Layla, she did the entire 2.8 mile course. That was awesome. She didn't necessarily run the whole thing, but yeah, she <laughs> she, she went it. through it all and did her burpees for the uh, obstacles that she didn't want to do. That's awesome. <laughs> but Conquer the Gauntlet Dallas was was a really good event. It like I said before, it was really hot. It was uh, I think when we started at nine o'clock, it was already 80 degrees, if not higher. <sighs> Just a, a hot hot day, but. They had it where Terrain Race has their race in Fort, you know, it was the Conqueror to Gauntlet Dallas, but it was uh, south of Fort Worth. So it was at a motocross park that they have out there. There's a creek running around there, so they run you through the creek at one point, which was really nice, felt really good. Conqueror to Gauntlet, they, they had two new obstacles, and we posted some videos of these on Facebook. One of them was called Elephant Graveyard, and it was basically horizontal pipes that go up at an angle and then there's a pipe that you traverse and then there's more pipes going down the other side and that one was easy it's definitely something to like just kind of slow you down as you're running Hmm. and honestly they had those pipes so far apart uh, i could and it's just pipes i could see people slipping and falling on that pretty easily Hmm. and and I, i do believe there's pictures of one of the female elites that you could see that she slipped oh, through <laughs> i don't know yeah it's hard to tell from the pictures if she got hurt or not from it but you can see her pulling herself Ouch. back up without hitting the ground so that one i i honestly would like to see them put something under there at least some hay or something because it was a, a good distance off the ground and if you slip through one you might slip and catch yourself on the pipe but of course if you fall from there and land on the hard ground that's no good either hmm. The other obstacle was called Smooth Criminal, and it felt like something you'd see in a ninja gym. It had three of the little small slanted step platforms, so you kind of hop back and forth between those. I forget, there's a term for those. So you hop back and forth between those three, and then jump from that one to a larger slanted platform that has a pipe going across, kind of kind of off the top, not like at the top, but like... Uh, secured above it that you can grab. So kind of think Dragon's Back. What's the name of the obstacle at Battle Race? Triumph. Yeah. So think Dragon's Back, Triumph, but instead of jumping into it and then going over it, you jump up on it and then just traverse the pipe and, you know, the board and then jump 
backwards onto another one that's facing the opposite way. So they're both facing each other, and you're jumping kind of... So it's like small ninja steps to giant ninja steps with, uh, you know, something to hang on to. And then they had, after the second pipe, they had some hanging holds. So like a pipe or a grenade, you know, a little, little ball. So like or Olympus, and then you turn around and you jump to another Olympus. <laughs> It's kind of like that. It's kind of like all three of those obstacles melded into one. Yeah, so that one was, it was not crazy challenging. I mean, I, I know it takes, uh, definitely takes a little getting used to when you're not familiar with the kind of getting yourself perpendicular to the wall. So for people that have trouble and feel like they slip, you really just want to make sure your body is as perpendicular to the wall as you can. So that when you're pushing off of it, your feet aren't going straight down. Instead, they're going, you know, into the board at a perpendicular angle to the board. So it's not crazy hard, but it definitely took a little bit of coordination. And overall, I think it was just kind of fun. It looked fun. I, I really want to. I'm, I'm looking forward to that race whenever we go up to Tulsa because that's going to be that's going to be fun. Yeah, Tulsa is going to be a good time for sure. Yeah, I hope to have it. I hope they have it up there. But the thing that would get me, I don't know, and I think this is just me just freaking out over, like, failing it or falling or something. <laughs> but, like, the thing that would probably get me is, like, whenever you're on one wall and then you have to jump and turn around and grab onto another, like, that kind of movement, you know? It's, like, <laughs> you, you have to be pretty coordinated to pull all that off. And Yeah. But, yeah, I think I, think I would have... Just a mental thing to get over with that. <laughs> yeah, but it's one of those things where once you figure it out, it it feels natural and right. Like it's not it's not hard. Like you ever seen a video game of like of Tomb Raider where Laura Croft is on one wall and she turns away, lets go with one yeah. hand to turn face another wall, but you're still holding on with the other hand. It's just yeah. like that. So <laughs> <laughs> just like all the parkour that you see in all these video games. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> just. As easy as that. <laughs> yeah, just like Laura Croft. I'll channel my inner Laura Croft whenever <laughs> we go to <laughs> we go to Tulsa <laughs> or we do battle in July. <laughs> Another obstacle they had was their normal Tarzan, where it's their rig, but definitely their 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 holds are much further apart than typical rigs, and the holds are usually more difficult holds too. So you might see a ball or a ring. But you're also going to have straight pipe or a bowling pin or a cone or they got some, some they definitely put some stuff in there to trip you up. This time was the first time that I've ever seen them put it over water. So that definitely made it just a little bit more daunting as, uh, cause, you know, if you fall in, you're going to get your hands wet again. But they put some, a little bunch of um, bungee cords and uh, bungee ropes in there. So you see... Mostly, if anybody grabbed it with one hand and tried to do a one-handed swing on it, it would just stretch out, and then they, you know, as soon as it gets, yeah, it gets to that breaking point and just pops out of their hand. It's so hard to hold on to that. Yeah, you kind of got to get the two-handed grip on it. Yeah. So anytime, anytime you're struggling for those that struggle with uh, hanging obstacles, anytime you're struggling with uh, swinging with one hand, just use two. You know, just forgo <laughs> trying to be strong enough to do one hand and just use two. And because when you do things like straight pipes or, you know, hanging pipes or uh, ropes, they're going to be it's it's really hard to do one handed. Like when your grip is not a overhand grip like a monkey bar or a ring and you got more of a you're holding a bottle, you know, uh, or like <laughs> grip. a vertical grip. Yeah, a vertical grip. It's hard to hang on to that with one hand. Because, yeah, it's different muscles and everything. And you really got to get coordinated with how are you going to shift your body through it. Because what I like to do is if I'm going two hands, I keep my body position one way. So instead of going right hand first, match it, then left hand first and match it. Because your body might kind of tend to naturally rotate that way. Just do what feels comfortable. You know, keep that strong hand. I like to keep my strong hand first. So that whenever I'm putting all my weight on it, transferring, that's where I'm strongest is in that, that front hand. So you really have to pay attention to the hold. Like those bungees, like this one, the ring was the second one. So I actually went from right hand to left hand on the ring and then 
right hand on the bungees and then matched hands on the bungees and then actually ended up uh, matching hands the rest of the way through because of the different holds they had. They have like hanging bananas and stuff like that too. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> and overall, it, it was a, a good race. It was a fun day, even though it was so hot. But uh, after the race, went and got back on some of the obstacles, like did the monkey bars, but purposely fell off in the middle of it. So get <laughs> get cooled off a little bit. It was fun. And some of the bars were spinning bars, right? Yeah, they're monkey bars. They'll be random ones. And if you if you look at them, you can see where the welds, uh, they won't have welds on the edges. Mm-hmm. So you can see which ones, as you're coming up to them, you can kind of tell which ones will spin and which ones won't. But if you're not paying attention to that, it'll really throw you off. Oh, yeah. And it's not, it's, it's bad enough that, you know, if you aren't super comfortable hanging from one hand on something that's moving like that, then you want to match hands or maybe even go sideways or backwards or something. Because they, they will throw you off and a lot of people just get really tripped up with those. Yeah. And I've never been one to to match hands on monkey bars because I'm pretty comfortable on them. But then the more challenging these races make their monkey bars, you know, yeah. <laughs> I kind of have to change my, my techniques up a little bit. We had a We had a training day yesterday at the park and we were just throwing around some brute force stuff some like power systems balls and everything like that but then afterwards i got on the um i got on the monkey bars and we had some of the force five holds and we had kind of hung them on the monkey bars and i was kind of trying to practice like going sideways and how you really do have to consciously keep your body faced a certain way because i definitely felt like my body was wanting to twist at one point and like almost turn the other way or have my body facing forward but i had to make conscious efforts to um make my grip to where i'm facing the same direction yeah and that's something you know you can you can see when people aren't comfortable maneuvering their body and so for anybody that does struggle with a rig or monkey bars or well, i guess that'd be the the two biggest ones go you know where where you can Practice on rings, at like Obstacle Warriors in Dallas is a really good place to do it because they have those really long rings that they use for like the uh, ring acrobatics and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But getting comfortable swinging from one hand to the other and shifting your body as you do it, um, using your legs and your hips and everything, it, it makes a big difference. And when you can get used to doing that, then you can you can take that movement and kind of transfer it into other obstacles and other other movements so that you be less likely to get your body in an awkward position you know if you can control your body through an obstacle you're going to be more efficient every time that and i've found because i do the yancey camp workouts and he has us doing the um switch grips a lot on the pull-up bars and the first time he started writing those into workouts, I was, it sounds really easy. I mean, you're just hanging on a pull-up bar and then one hand at a time switching your grip, you know, front, front facing, back facing, one hand at a time, you know? Yeah. And it sounds really easy. Like the concept sounds pretty easy, but then once you're actually doing it and you're counting how many times you can do it on each hand, like it gets pretty hard. <laughs> like it gets pretty taxing on the grip just to keep yourself hanging for that split second while you let go of the pull-up bar to switch your your grip and just having to do that motion yeah and and there's another kind of tip to doing that kind of stuff and taking that into an obstacle like say when you're on pegatron and you're doing a peg wall in general if you swing your body back and forth when you get to the moment where let's say you're swinging left hand first you're going left hand first and you swing your body to your left when your weight transfers off of your left hand that's the moment that you pull the peg out and move it to the next spot so i mean it's a split second but for that split second your all your weight is on your your other hand so it's the same thing with you know one-handed monkey bars or with rigs going from one hold to another but being able to be comfortable so doing an exercise like you're doing with the switching the grips, or I've heard him talk about also taking one hand off and slapping your hip yes. and bringing it back up. Which again, sounds really easy. <laughs> you know, you're just hanging from a bar and what? You just slap your butt <laughs> and 
sounds really easy. But then once you do it and you have, and he tells you to do it 18 times or something, <laughs> you're five reps into it and you're like, this is a lot harder than it sounds. <laughs> so those are good things to work on if you struggle with those kind of hanging obstacles. Go do some switch grip hanging. What do you, what do you call that? Switch grips? I think, he, yeah, just switch grips. Grips. <laughs> changes or uh leg slaps or go get on some rings and just kind of go back and forth and get your body comfortable with those movements yeah and i think when it comes to pegatron you just really need to get a pegboard <laughs> and get used to it <laughs> because i i've just never been able to get comfortable you know with the whole taking the stick out and putting it in another hole <laughs> and moving my way across yeah. something like that it's just uh yeah and, and the more you can use your body, the better off you are because the less uh, it's going to be all upper arms uh, and uh, upper body. So you do you do want to try to figure out the, the technique that works for you. But, uh, of course, you do still have to have that strength in your grip and your arms all together just to get across. Yeah, and hopefully the boards aren't warped or something like that. <laughs> that was the first time I tried Pegatron. I, can't, I think it was in Houston, and it rained a whole bunch the night before so pegatron was nice and warped whenever we came to run the race the (laughs) next day their their medals were new this year liked them a lot their medals in the past have kind of been one of the things that seems like they poured less money into you know they're a cheaper race so it's understandable but it seemed like they put a little more money into their their medals this year yeah, I saw that picture of them they look really good and i mean they always put on a good event though like I don't know. It's just mm-hmm. like the main prize magic or something. <laughs> <laughs> the main prize magic. They need to put that on a shirt. I, I just coined a new term for them. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, like they just really always put on a really good event. Um, I always hear a lot more positive things than negative. And I think that's what keeps a lot of people coming back to that race. So next chance is coming up soon uh, or in what late july or august i think is uh oklahoma city and then tulsa. tulsa yep you got anything else you want to talk about not really my race calendar is kind of boring right now so oh, yeah? i'm kind of just i'm kind of just i don't really think i have any i have dallas stadium coming up in a couple of weeks yep that's in two weeks we're gonna be we're gonna be out there with caterpie laces which is a new um a new company that spartan picked up so we're going to be out there with them. And yeah, and after Dallas Stadium, it's just Battle OCR. So that's going to be really, really fun. Yeah, the summer is tough for, for races in general just because of how hot it is. But Battle's just going to put us through it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and I drove through. So this past weekend, I went to run a trail that's close by. It's in the vicinity. It's maybe 10 minutes up the road. Um, okay. It's the the Beast Trail at um, in West Feliciana Sports Park, kind of where they used yeah. to hold Warrior Dash whenever it was down here. But gotcha. Warrior Dash only used like a very small part of this trail <laughs> because it is like a beast of a trail. Walker Higgins puts on a really cool ultra too um, every year. Mm-hmm. It, it was this past May, but it's as many laps as you can do. And he has different like lengths that you can sign up for. But anyway, um, yeah, it's a pretty hilly terrain out there in St. Francisville, but we stayed shaded. We stayed under tree cover a lot on the trails because most of the trails in the woods are pretty much covered by trees. But the only thing with that is that it like traps all the heat in. <laughs> But it's still better than the sun. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. But the only bad thing was, and I think this is because it's near near some stables, it was the horse flies. Oh, my God. The horse flies oh. ate me alive. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> I yeah, was... So bring tons yeah, of insect Bug spray. spray. <laughs> I, and I used bug spray, but I guess, like, <laughs> I was sweating so much from the heat that it just, like, all dripped off. <laughs> Is there some particular for horseflies? I don't need know. To get? I really, I really <laughs> hope so. I don't know, but that and also I learned this weekend that I have like a completely new respect for all those really fast people that get out on the trail first and clear out all the spider webs because oh, I was yeah. not about that life. <laughs> <laughs> I was not about that life this weekend. There was so many times I wanted to just like stop dead in my tracks and curl up in a ball and say, I don't want to be here anymore. (laughs) 
but I was running with I was running with my buddy Nathan, so I'm like, no, I can't stop. He's counting on me to get us <laughs> off this trail. <laughs> <laughs> so I ordered some uh, temporary tattoos today. They should come in before the uh, the Spartan the stadium race. Oh, nice. Did you use Inkbox? No, I went with uh, Inkbox. Is super expensive. Yeah, I I had I think I had looked at them at their website. I don't know, maybe a week or so ago, and yeah, they were they were kind of pricey. I mean, their things are super legit. Like they're supposed to last a few days or something, but yeah, or maybe even more, maybe even longer. But yeah, I just I just got a um somebody showed me a site that has like stickers and stuff. So it's basically you're getting a sheet and you're you know cutting them out of there, and hmm. but it's like uh sixteen the size that I did. I got sixteen per sheet. So went ahead and grabbed a couple of sheets. So nice. I'll have something to give to you. Cool. I'll totally rock that. I'm looking into t-shirts too, but I know they're going to be more expensive. I mean, it's hard to get, you know, smaller runs of t-shirts just to, to try it out. I could, um, I know someone locally here in New Iberia that has made shirts for for Nathan and his team rescue and restore group and things like okay. that. So I'll I'll see what their price would be for like a little bulk order or something. Uh, once I find out the type of shirt I want to use, I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah, I've I've seen like the those sport tech shirts are pretty pretty inexpensive and they they last a good good long while. I'm trying to keeping this one short and sweet. And by short and sweet, I mean right at an hour. Yeah, <laughs> it's getting it's getting to summertime, so there's not a lot going on. Nobody wants to be outside. <laughs> it's so hot. <laughs> All right, well everybody that's out there, thanks so much for listening in. Big episode 10, done. Double digits. Well on our way to matching Matt B. Davis's 300 episodes. Yes, and don't forget, we are the number one podcast in OCR. Uh, absolutely. At this hour. Number one. <laughs> the number one, um, I don't even think of some random word that <laughs> describes how we are actually number one in a way that nobody else cares about. <laughs> well, Anna, have yourself a good restful weekend. And training, I'm sure. Yes. But uh, see you in uh, in Dallas for the Spartan Sprint at the stadium. And probably have the next episode just after that. That's always a fun race. I'm looking forward to it. Take it easy. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks, y'all. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, all the other stuff. <laughs> Follow, listen, and talk. Bloom. OCR Talk. Declan, you want to say hello? No. Bye.